0: We can change our brain and we can change how we feel as well. And we can change how we act. But first, we need to change some identity we have built for ourselves. We need to shift that. Okay, what does that mean? I love that. Our conscious brain, 5%. Our subconscious brain, 95% Arounds our life. If we have beliefs that are formed through early childhood, that we're not good at that, whatever it is. We need to get rid of all the conditioning before we make the shift to believe in ourselves.
1: Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD. And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Erin Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 238 of ADHD for Smart Ass Women. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. My purpose, as you know, is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. In the thousands of ADHD women that I have had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that isn't brilliant at something. Truly, not one. So for all of these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to Anna Daphna. Anna, did I get the last name right? You did. Okay. Anna is an ADHD executive function and high performance coach, mentor, and psychologist based in London. She coaches people with ADHD using holistic and neuroscience based strategies specifically designed for neurodiverse people to maximize happiness, confidence, and performance. She's also a member of the British Psychological Society and the European Coaching and Mentoring Council. In 2021, Anna was selected at the 500 Global Brains Awards as one of the top leaders for her achievements and dedication to helping others. Anna, did I get all of that right?
0: Thank you for having me, Tracy. Yes, you did.
1: Wonderful. Before we talk about your strategies and exactly what you do to help women with ADHD, you know, I always want to talk about ADHD first. So I would love to know, what were you like as a child?
0: As a child, I was very shy, very self-conscious, socially anxious. Uh, I had um, good traits as well, but uh, at school I was struggling to pay attention. I was constantly looking out of the window. I found uh, school difficult to concentrate and boring. And yes, it took me double the time to finish an essay. I found it difficult to put my my ideas into paper, to organize them. And yes. It was a different way of thinking for me. And uh,
1: yeah, I found that a bit stressful, especially when it came to exams. Were you outwardly hyperactive at all or was it mostly inattentive? Inattentive. Okay. It sounds like school was somewhat difficult for you, but were you still able to make high marks? I did.
0: As you know, a lot of people with traits of ADD are very good when they put their mind into it. So the mm-hmm. subjects and the teachers I loved, I was very good. But the subjects and the teachers that were not very engaging, I did not do very well. But it it was a spiky profile based on how much I enjoyed the lesson.
1: Ah, well, it sounds very common, doesn't it? Yes. And you're in the UK, so I don't exactly know how the school system works there. I'm curious, did things get better from what we call grade school here through high school? or did it get worse? Did it get harder for you? It got better through time
0: because I discovered strategies to organize uh, myself, uh, having uh, schedules, checklists. Um, I tried different methods that worked at a particular time, and then I choose something different. But uh, it got better with time because we can also train our, our brain to work in, in the way that we wanted to.
1: Yeah, in a way that works for us, certainly. So I'm wondering, what was your home life like? Were your parents really supportive? Or did you get a lot of, you know, pay attention? Why are you this way? You know. Yeah, I had a lot of pressure from home. I I was a perfectionist. Uh-huh. So, yes,
0: um, I tried to do my best. But yes, I had supportive parents and I have supportive parents, but in a way that they understand, you know, parents have their own understanding. And sometimes it's not aligned with the latest psychological uh, research. And there is, a you know, uh, I had meltdowns at home because I was very stressed about uh, my performance at school. But I, yes, I did very well at the end. But it was a roller coaster. I cannot lie.
1: Your parents and I'm sure teachers, the attitude was, well, she's so bright. She's not applying herself. So it must mean that she's not trying hard enough.
0: Yes, she's not trying hard enough. Um, she finds her own way to do things. She takes uh, different times to finish something and uh, very fast to finish something else. So it really depends. They could not pinpoint exactly. um, But yes, they said that I I was losing attention. But uh, at the same time, that I was very smart in the things that uh, were really engaging.
1: Yeah. What did your parents do? Uh, As a profession? For work. Banker. Banker and accountant. Okay. Yeah. So very linear-brained. A very linear brain, yes. And a lot of
0: pressure. And I guess, you know, our, our own parents um, have their own upbringing and their own ways of how they think uh, uh, things are. And they need to do their own healing in order to, you know, to have a, a proper approach. And it's a difficult thing, you know. I understand
1: yeah. that. Yes. So they love you and they are doing what they believe is best for you, but not understanding how your brain works. Yes. Exactly. And, and are you an only child? I have a sister. Okay. And was she the same as you or no? She was more like them. Uh, she was
0: more like them, but she's a high performer as well. And she was like the first in the school, the first in her class. And also a perfectionist and, and high achiever. So, yes, I was more artistic, creative. My sister was more mathematical, practical.
1: And was your sister older? Did you say that already? Uh, younger. One year younger. It was younger. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious, what was the transition then from high school to college like for you? Uh, slow. I didn't like university. I started
0: a university in uh, Greece, um, in Athens. I studied um, education. I'm a qualified teacher as my first profession. I wanted to do things differently than I, I experienced at school. But then I moved to London, to the UK, and then I studied psychology that I really loved. Uh, then I worked in a lot of different uh, schools and educational institutions in London, Central London, especially with some um, special needs um, children of all ages. So I did nursery, I did primary school, I did um, uh, high school and and uh, sixth form as well. So I was working there as a professional and put things in in practice. Things uh, went better after,
1: which. Yeah, it makes so much sense because you loved what you were doing, and I think it often can be easier professionally to do things the way we want to do them, right? As long as you get the work done and you're outstanding or your work product is excellent, I think people are more inclined to say, oh, let her be. She's getting it done. Versus at school, it's more, nope, it has to be done this way. Yeah. And if it's not, there's a problem. Like, if you don't show your work, you can get, this is my son, right, with math. He can get the, the right answer, but if he doesn't show the work correctly, he doesn't get any credit for it, which just seems silly because our brains jump over a lot of the steps, right? And we just intuitively, I think, often know. So have you always felt different than others? I have always
0: felt different than others. And I believe um, that this has to be celebrated, not judged. Especially at schools that we talk about and uh, the teachers and the educational system has to, to cater for the needs of people that are different,
1: that are neurodivergent because they can have great assets. Yeah, great absolutely. So what about socially? Was that a problem? Um, oh God, what am I trying to say? Did you struggle um, socially with other kids?
0: I was a shy uh, kid. Um I did well with a couple of kids, but not in in bigger groups. That I found too much for my nervous system, too much uh, stimulation. So yes, I found that difficult, but um, I had a few good friends, so that was not an area of uh, struggle.
1: You know, it's interesting, I've often found that um, those with um, more inattentive type ADHD, those traits... They tend to have an easier go at relationships because they tend to be more soft-spoken, maybe a little bit shyer, maybe a little bit more introverted versus those of us that are, especially when we're really hyperactive, we can just be difficult, more difficult because we're opinionated and we shoot our mouth off and we don't think before we speak. Is that your experience too, what you've seen? It's true. It's true.
0: But sometimes people can be people pleasing because they want to fit in a mold that the society has uh, uh, puts people in and they like to do that. So we have to really uh, pay attention and just be ourselves.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious, once you discovered that difference that you've always felt was because of ADHD, how did that change things for you?
0: I use the strategies that worked for me, and one strategy that works for me is to be mindful as much as I can, to do breathing, as simple as it sounds. It works for me and many, many people. And What was be- the last
1: thing that you just said?
0: Breathing. Yeah? Yes. To, okay. Yes, to slow down my breathing, to um, breathe through the nose, not the mouth to engage the parasympathetic nervous system and to do activities that uh, relax me and be in a good mood, have organized space, simple things that have worked throughout time.
1: But was there a time when you were really struggling and wondering, why am I like this? Why do I do this? Why aren't I like everybody else? And then, so you were beating yourself up about it. And then you discovered ADHD and you thought, Oh my gosh! I think this is the answer. Was there ever a time like that yes. in university, at school, when
0: I had to follow uh, precise instructions uh-huh. and to do uh, long essays, especially statistics? When we did in psychology, that I found difficult, and I was struggling in a few topics. But if I liked the subject, I could uh, focus for hours. I could be in flow state for hours, and that's good.
1: But when you discovered that it was ADHD, was there like a, oh my gosh, this is why I've been feeling the way I felt. This is what's responsible for how I behave. Yes, I accept myself and my traits, uh-huh. and uh, that's an important
0: message to give. It can be a superpower if you if you leverage it. And you can manage the, the challenges, because there are challenges as well. So, Anna, why did you decide to be a psychologist? I studied psychology education and coaching um i'm interested in self-development but from the time i i remember myself i wanted to empower myself um and since i as a teenager i was interested in all of these things i wanted to pursue that as a profession so this hasn't changed ever since so i'm curious as a lot of people with ADD, adhd i'm creative i'm very i have a good intuition and um All of that have to do with self-development and listening to your heart, to your heart and have brain and heart coherence to be aligned, your
1: actions to, to align with your thoughts and emotions. So becoming a psychologist, it wasn't something you just fell into. It was something that from the time you were young, this is what you wanted to do.
0: Yes, I wanted to become a, a coach and a mentor for people with executive function challenges uh, because I experienced them myself as well, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before. And uh, seeing people feeling unheard, unseen, and losing important opportunities in life, I wanted to
1: mentor them. So, what was your parents' reaction when you said, I want to be a psychologist? They were fine with it. Yeah. At least that was good. <laughs> no, real good. Yeah. I, I mean, in my family, it was. I don't know that there was a belief in psychology even that it works, you know. It was you just kind of suck it up and you keep going. And I had great parents. So you talked already a lot about the work that you do around regulating your nervous system. So can we talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. And can we start with how about telling us exactly what is the nervous system And why is it important for women with ADHD to um, learn how to regulate it? Mm -hmm. Polyvagal
0: theory um, is um, from Dr. Porges. Uh, It has 40 years of research, uh, which is evidence-based. And the polyvagal theory talks about our autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system is based on the vagus nerve, which is the longest cranial nerve that stems from the brainstem from the back of our head until the end of our spine. And we have three states. The sympathetic nervous system, that a lot of people at the moment living, fight or flight super-stress with adrenaline. Not very good to be constant in that um, fear-based state. There is the parasympathetic nervous system, where we feel open, we feel engaged, our heart is open, we feel we can do everything, we feel engaged and socially engaged as well. And there is the other parasympathetic branch uh, when we feel immobilized, uh, frozen. We cannot move, we are stuck. And we see that a lot with people that have depression. So um, from a polyvagal perspective, ADD is a nervous system imbalance because if we don't regulate our emotions, uh, we have emotional dysregulation, which is very common. With people with ADHD, they feel um, they can see threats, potential or imagine they have rejection sensitivity, dysphoria, a lot of people, not everyone, but it's very common. So it has to do with our emotions and our emotions uh, have to do with our autonomic nervous system that applies for everyone. But for uh, people with ADHD, it's more pronounced because we need to regulate our state, our physiological state. And our physiological state have to do with how we perceive the world and how we think and how we feel. And it's translated into our face, our voice, and manifests
1: through illnesses as well, if we don't take care of it. So why do you think that, um, I'll say women, because that's who we work with and that's who we're talking about. Why do women with ADHD, like what is it about ADHD that causes us to be less regulated emotionally. Our brains want it all. We love anything that is new, bright, sparkly, different, but that's often what keeps us distracted and feeling all over the place. So I have something that I know can help you. It's my free masterclass called What do I do with my life from chaos to confidence? This popular class will give you the tools to make faster, more confident decisions that actually serve you so you're doing what you really want to do instead of what others are telling you that you should do. You know, we try so hard to fit in when in reality, that's the problem. With our ADHD brains, our brilliant ADHD brains, we're not meant to fit in we're actually meant to stand out. So, that begs the question, where are we actually meant to stand out? Join me at spyhappy.me forward slash mc. That's spyhappy.me forward slash mc. And let's find out together. Now, let's get back to our podcast. What is it about ADHD that causes us to be less regulated emotionally.
0: Mm -hmm. Is the emotional dysregulation that comes with it, is the fact that the executive center of the brain is underdeveloped with people with uh, ADHD based on research and is that neuroception um, is a process that uh, is detecting um, threats, potential or imagine, as I said before, is not regulating properly in people with ADHD. So these are potential uh, reasons.
1: So do you think it's our, um, well, I mean, I would think hyperactivity, right? If you have hyperactivity, whether it's hyperactivity of the brain or hyperactivity of the body, that you are more inclined to jump to conclusions, to see all of the threats all at the same time. Is that correct, do you think?
0: Yes, impulsivity and and, uh, lack of response inhibition. Uh, have to do with not being regulated, not being present and conscious of the generous present moment, really. And that has to do with uh, we're not regulated. We we don't feel grounded at that moment. Very much to do with our autonomic nervous system.
1: So we just react instead of pausing and being able to really maybe ask ourselves questions like, is this really true? Is this really happening? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So what do we do? What do you recommend to women who struggle with this emotional dysregulation and they, you know, their amygdala pops off and they get really upset really quickly and maybe the level of upset is outsized. It's too big for what's actually happened to them Uh or is, and, and maybe it's not even happening to them, right? They're imagining it's happening to them.
0: Yes, it's good to first uh, take a moment and step back from the situation, change environment, because uh, when something stressful happens, it's good to move. It's good to move our body, to change our uh, physiological state. to have a snack, to drink some water, to change our physiological state through everything that we can do. And after we have done all of that, we can just question the thought. Is it real? Is it imagined? Is there evidence? How does it make me feel? What does it serve? And then find evidence that this is not true and find evidence until the point that is neutral. We fix again homeostasis in the body and is neutral in our mind. There is equilibrium. And then we will have a different feeling.
1: So, um, you have a protocol, and I don't know, is this your protocol, safe and sound protocol, SSP? SSP is, is coined by
0: Dr. Porges and is a listening therapy. Okay. that, uh, retunes the nervous system. This is based on sound that trains the middle ear and retunes the nervous system to cues of safety, like uh, the mummer's Lullaby and is uh, through technology, based on 40 years of research. Um, is, I also use it with my clients. I'm a provider. So what is it exactly? What do you do? You listen to music that is filtrated. Oh. And yes, you listen to music with your headphones. Uh, you relax. You do relaxing activities uh, that do not require a lot of thought that is regulating. You can do it with somebody that is trained, a provider, so that you can co-regulate your own uh, nervous system because that's also a possibility. And this music filtrates your uh, middle ear and you feel safe, you feel more engaged with time. Of course, it's not a magic pill. It needs the time. And you're more receptive to therapy, you're more receptive to coaching, you feel more open.
1: So this is a strategy that you set up in advance so that when something happens, you have the strategy in which you're going to deal with this nervous system dysregulation.
0: Hmm. So, yes, it's a proactive way to regulate with time our nervous system. This is progressively done. Uh, so the more we train our brain, the better it will um it will respond when there is a real crisis. But if we just do it the day before or the same day, it, it won't happen. I, we have to be realistic as well. You know, the time the, the brain takes time to build new neural pathways and sensory pathways because that builds sensory pathways. So, yes, it needs time. But it's a great strategy that uh, integrates the top-down. Top-down strategies are the talking therapies. We talk about to reframe emotions, feelings, the strategies, whatever is talked. The somatic therapies are the bottom-up that we can regulate, and this integrates the two. It's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my experience, what has been so much more effective than talk therapy are the somatic therapies, especially for those of us with ADHD. And why is that exactly? So why do you think that somatic therapies seem to be so much more effective And and really quickly with um, someone with ADHD.
0: Maybe we're more related and more uh, connected with our bodies. A lot of people feel like that. And for this type of people, especially if they're hyperactive, uh, could work better. Not everyone is the same, though. So some people like just to talk uh, things through. But uh, if we think about it, and um, our body remembers things and remembers emotions, sensations and programming from the past. So we need to move our body in order to release this and build a healthier thoughts. So it has to do with the programming and how uh, the intelligence of the body and the connection with the mind works.
1: Yeah, so in this uh, safe and sound protocol, is it certain music that is just part of that protocol? Or do you choose your own music? How, do, how does all of that work? It has some classical music, some Disney music
0: is for kids as well. Uh, and has a uh, specific music that uh, they have chosen, and it's very nice. A lot of Can you Google
1: like, safe and sound? Can you Google safe and sound protocol music? And will there be um, certain music that's recommended?
0: Maybe we can try it. But <laughs> so you no, know, the music is very popular and has a
1: lot of playlists that you can choose from. And okay, yes, okay, so, you like okay, so yeah. definitely, and so you choose music. And the first part of it is, are you just listening to that music and for how long? Mm-hmm.
0: So the how long has to do with, it's not something you do it yourself. Uh, you have to work with a trained provider mm-hmm. because it's not uh, good for everyone. Uh, what I mean by that. So for example, people with um, schizophrenia cannot, cannot use it. It has to be uh, proper training. And you do it with your provider or with their guidance. And some people might need to listen five minutes per day because their nervous system is so sensitive. It has happened with a client of mine and she could not listen to more than five minutes because she was feeling all these emotions coming up to be be talked about, to be healed. And some people can do 15 minutes, 30 minutes per day for as long as the the program lasts. The max
1: therapeutic program. Yes. Okay. So. Clinicians are trained in this protocol, and typically what happens is you work with a clinician on this safe and sound um, protocol. Mm -hmm. Okay. Although I always look at, okay, let's say that um, either you can't afford to do that or you don't have anyone right here and now. It makes sense to me that music, which is, um, I mean, it's, you know, music is related to the brain, right? Yes. And emotion. And so it makes so much sense to me that if you listen to certain kinds of music, that that would make you feel better. Yes. And the whole goal is
0: feeling better, right? Exactly. Feeling better. Doing activities that make you happy. Listening to relaxing music versus anxious music. And these are some strategies that you can do without paying anything. You have access to a lot of resources. Moving your body. Doing sports. Dancing. uh, Connect with others face-to-face interactions, uh, sleep, hydrate, do sports, team sports, socially engaged, all yeah. of these neuromodulate how we feel and, and we can change how we feel because yeah. we need people to be supported.
1: And so are there any other nervous system regulating activities that you find are really effective for the ADHD brain? I know you you mentioned breath work, mm-hmm. which I, I totally agree. I mean, that's usually the first thing right
0: yes because when we're anxious in the fight or flight with adrenaline we we breathe very fast and the sympathetic nervous system comes online and how we can change that through breathing slowly through extending our exhale and through breathing through the nose versus through the mouth there is a very good book i don't remember the writer but it's called the breath is a bestseller international bestseller The breath yes james nestor i think is the writer
1: oh james nestor is is that who you just said yes yes okay it's called breath the new science of a lost art yes oh yes i've heard of this book i have not read it we'll put it in the show notes yes i definitely And why did you like that book so much
0: because um it talks about a science that we have lost and is so simple but so powerful. And I have tried it with my clients that had um, a lot of um, anxiety work. and it worked. And it's simple just having a routine in the morning and at night, and just for five, 10 minutes and do specific breathing techniques that he has at the end of the book. Which is okay. And
1: this is James's technique that you can find at the end of the book. And it's you said five minutes in the morning and in the evening. You can do as as many minutes as
0: you want. And these techniques uh, are not his techniques, but he has researched what has worked throughout the years. And he talks about uh, breathing through the nose, not the mouth, the mouth. We feel tired after. We feel a bit uh, stressed. And um, it works even when we work out. So it's a very interesting
1: uh, book. Okay. So are there any other nervous system regulating activities that you recommend? Definitely
0: meditation. Uh, meditation uh, changes our brainwave, changes how we think. And we need to feel different after meditation. And definitely mindfulness. I have noticed that works very well with people with uh, ADHD. And some people might say, I cannot stay still. But there are many ways that you can be mindful, right? You can walk without yeah. your phone. And you can just observe around you things that you would not normally do because you have mm-hmm. your phone with you. Or you can slow down your breathing again and just uh, um, tune in, in your body and see how you feel, what sensations you have, and see what thoughts you have through your mind. Then you can write it down. Have a journal, for example, that also promotes your metacognition and self-awareness. And all of this helps with regulating emotions when they come later on, how we can deal with them better, just knowing yourself. What is the trigger? Yeah. Have you experimented or tried tapping at all? I have heard it uh, of it. I have not done it myself. But uh, for some people, they say it's very good. Have you tried it, Tracy? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for years now. And I find that for the ADHD brain, it is amazing because, especially if we're hyperactive and we need to move, because, you know, you're moving. You're not yes, yes, yes. focusing on a doorknob. or. And there's so much science behind it. And I I know in... Australia, it's now the gold standard for treatment of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I really have noticed um, how effective it is with, um, you know, people with ADHD, especially hyperactive ADHD. Nice. So one of the problems that a lot of ADHD women struggle with is confidence and self-belief. And I, I know you're aware of that. So can you talk on that subject just a little bit?
0: Yes. Um, First of all, confidence is not a universal thing. We are confident in some things, but we're not confident in other things. So it's good to put that in perspective. For example, what I say to my clients a lot is, Messi is very confident at football, but he might not be as confident at cooking, for example. I'm just saying something random. So that proves that point. Um, So uh, confidence has to do with competence. And competence has to do with how many hours we put into something. So our our skill is developed through our effort. What has to do with effort? So yes, we can develop that, definitely, with trying new things that are appropriate developmentally for us, because for children it has to be within their developmental range not to traumatize the child. But to try something new that we couldn't do before, it will increase our confidence. Thinking about The things that uh, we found difficult in the past, but now easy. And making a list and look at that will increase our confidence. Remembering feedback from important people um, uh, and resonate with them and see that we have done very well when we might have negative self-talk can help with that. And just tuning in with things that we are proud of, that we do every day. Sometimes we focus on the negative and we can reshift our attention to what we couldn't do in the past, to how uh, far we have come and what we have achieved that day. Do things we're proud of? Simple things like that.
1: I think that many people believe that confidence is something you're either born with or born without, when in fact, it's all about action, Mm -hmm. right? And making ourselves proud. And you mentioned something that we have to learn how to celebrate our successes and acknowledge them and I think that's one of the problems with uh, ADHD women, right? All we see are the things we haven't done well, and then we lose sight of all the things that we're so brilliant at.
0: Yes, exactly. And this can change. We can change our brain to think like that, like we love ourselves. Because there is no reason anyone to hijack their brain with all the negative uh, beliefs. We can uh, slow the brain and slow the breath and create a gap and have a healthier thought. We can do it.
1: Yeah, with absolutely. Absolutely, you can change the brain. And I, I think today, oh my gosh, there's so much research and you know, just this idea of neuroplasticity, right? Was we used higher? to think that whatever brain you were born with was the brain you were stuck with. And that is so untrue. And it doesn't matter what age you are.
0: Yes, which is very exciting. We can change our brain and we can change how we feel as well. And we can change how we act. But first, we need to change some identity we have built
1: for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to shift that. Okay, what does that mean? I love that.
0: Our conscious brain, 5%. Our subconscious brain, 95% around our life. If we have beliefs that are formed through early childhood, that we're not good at that, um, that we should follow this profession, that whatever it is for its culture and family, We need to get rid of all the conditioning before we make the shift to believe in ourselves. So it takes time, it's a process, but definitely can happen. Because if we say with the conscious mind, um, say an affirmation, for example, we have not eliminated all the negative beliefs and the conditioning of the past, the society, the culture, it won't happen. We need first to eliminate it and teach our body not to be afraid. But body will be anxious when we try something new based on the identity we're building. So we have to sit with this discomfort. It takes some time, but
1: it's a courageous thing to do. Well, and that's what ultimately builds confidence. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So it's a big s- cycle. So I've heard you say that exec- executive function skills are a predictor of future success. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. The executive
0: center of the brain, is the higher-level brain, is the CEO of our brain. Because whatever we do, we need to plan every day. We need to prioritize. We need to organize our thoughts. And we need to action them. We need to start. All of these are executive function skills I'm mentioning now. We need to finish the projects, which is another thing. We need to stay in control and on a roll, as I say. And uh, we need to... Um, Stop and think before we have a thought or we want to say something or act impulsively. All of these are executive function skills and we need to reflect and observe our thoughts. Are these thoughts mine or not? How can it become better? Shall I keep that? Shall I change that? And to be adaptable and flexible. All of these things are, uh, have to be on time. All of, all of these things are um, things that uh, a lot of people with uh, ADHD are struggling with.
1: And those are our executive function skills?
0: All of them. Okay. And and this can be developed through coaching, through repetition, through neuroplasticity. And it takes more time for the neurodivergent brain to build habits. They say it takes a habit 21 days to form. I would say it depends on how difficult it is, of course. But the neurodivergent brain, uh, based on research, it takes double the time, 66 reiterations. So we need to Uh. be also... Um, with our self-compassionate and give it time, have a mentor, have accountability, even a parent, a friend, a group that is a bit higher than us or very good at uh, timekeeping, very punctual, mm. uh, very than whatever it is that we want to uh, to work on. It can happen.
1: Is there a way to determine if you struggle with executive functions and if you do to what extent you do?
0: Yes, uh, there are uh, tests and evaluations that can happen. I also have one that I have adapted and um, I can provide to whoever wants for free with uh, some recommendations that come. Uh, So, yes, there are tests that you can.
1: uh, So where do you find your test? Is there a Uh, link?
0: Yes, uh, I can send you the link or people can um, find me at my website anadafna.com and ask me for the executive function predictor test and I will send it to their email. Okay,
1: It's com and it's the executive function predictor. Is that what you said? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Executive function predictor test. Which um, can change over time.
0: Our skills can change over time because exactly of neuroplasticity because of the effort that we put before, during and after any work we do with any professional that is trained with ADHD.
1: Okay. So, Anna, what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Uh, Finding your strengths, leveraging your strengths, finding a supportive environment,
0: having a good mentor or buddy that can keep you accountable, and pressure your times and to accept yourself. Find strategies for what you find difficult.
1: And do you have a number one ADHD workaround?
0: I believe uh, that sleep is very important. It's one pillar of uh, high performance and also regulates our emotions since we were talking about that. Uh, Having consistent sleep, sleeping at the same time, around the same time, waking up, feeling refreshed, rested, has to do with our melatonin production and our circadian rhythms and regulate the body clock is very very important then hydration if we wake up we can drink a glass of water because the brain is dehydrated the executive center of the brain is sleeping we cannot wake up a lot of people find it difficult to to live uh, on time you need to wake up first it takes about 10 minutes if you drink a glass of water then diet having good diet and any supplements that you need if you need to to take supplements, um, and sunshine also helps with the mood. But so I think this has to be in check to check if there is any other comorbidity or any other condition
1: and then just work on these skills. Yeah. You know, I fought this whole sleep thing literally for decades. And I didn't believe in it. I didn't believe in it. And then I read the book, Matt Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Oh, nice. Nice. And one of the things that he says is that our the the amount of REM sleep that we engage in every night is directly proportional to our uh, lifespan. Yes. (laughs) And that scared the hell out of me. And so I started to, I can't get into bed by 11. So my husband negotiated. So we both go around midnight, sometimes 1130. And it has made such a difference. So... I completely agree with you on sleep, even though I was the bigger, biggest offender. So anyway, Anna, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do?
0: Mm-hmm. People can find me on my website, www.anadafna.com and can email me if they want a complimentary consultation to learn more about them and see how we can potentially work with them. Uh, or they can ask for the executive function uh, predictor
1: and I can send them a quiz with personalized um, strategies. Wonderful. Anna! thank you so much for spending time with us here today. I had a great time, Trace. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you liked this episode with Anna, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD Helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smart Ass Women. Join me over at TracyAtsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smart Ass Women podcast.